biblical lifestyles. Now, we have over the last two weeks, well, really just this week and last week, uh, we're considering the interaction between the individual Christian and their families. We've talked about biblical families. The interaction between the individual Christian and the broader world, the interface, how we interface with the world around us. Last week, we looked at biblical work, our jobs, our careers, right? That's one main avenue through which we as Christians interact with the broader world around us. This week, we're going to talk about lifestyles. The Bible is full of instruction, and we talked a little bit about this in Bible class, that directly applies to our time and effort. Commands to worship, right? Gather with the saints, study his word. These are, these are direct commands. We do, this is something we're all supposed to do. Uh, we can think about instructions for family obligations. We talked about some of those in our study of biblical families, about raising faithful children. And even if you don't have kids, about your role in the family, and not just your family, but the broader family of the church, right? These are not optional extras. We talked about the necessity of working hard, providing for family, having enough to share with others. Again, those are instructions that God has for all Christians. And so the rest of the time, though, that's what we're talking about, right? What about the time that isn't filled up by these areas of life? Christian service, family obligations, job responsibilities, quote unquote, free time. What about the rest of the time? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And we need to clear up some confusion about the word lifestyle before we go any further in this. Because we, I think, sometimes can misapply the idea of, of just a lifestyle choice as it relates to biblical living. We should not use this word, like, you know, a lifestyle choice, in discussing areas of life in which God has explicitly ordained some things are right and some things are wrong. Sinful and righteous actions. The classic example of this is sexual behavior, which is not a lifestyle choice in the sense that it doesn't matter to God one way or the other. He has very clearly articulated what he expects of human sexuality, what he expects of human sexual behavior. And so when we think about living biblically, what does that mean? First and foremost, eliminating sinful actions and thoughts and replacing them with righteous actions and thoughts. So when we talk about sort of lifestyle, I think sometimes we have this idea, well, that's just my lifestyle. That is not applicable if it is an area of life where God has specifically said, you need to do this, or you cannot do this, or you should not do this, right? I want to I clear that up. When we're talking about human behavior and lifestyle, at least in this sermon, we're talking about the areas of life where God has not specifically delineated one thing or another, as ought or should. You need to do this, you should do this, you shouldn't do this. And there's a lot of life where that is the case. There's a lot of life where there is no specific, and this word I've got specific in italics, right? Yeah, because this is important. Where there's no specific instruction for what God wants us to do or how God wants us to behave. We think about hobbies. There's no command in the Bible, you cannot play golf or you cannot play sports or whatever hobby you want to put in there, right? I've got cars or crafting or gardening, you can talk about video games maybe, or I don't know what other hobbies people have, hiking, you know, things that we spend our time on that there's no specific instruction about one way or the other. Now, there are, and again, we talked about this in Bible class, there's indirect general instruction, which we'll talk about. We can think about entertainment consumption, okay? Music, movies, TV shows, books. You know, we consume a lot of stuff in our lives, a lot of things that we spend our time consuming. Again, there's not a lot of specific instruction in that. 
What about personal aesthetic? We can think about lifestyle, what about actual style, clothing we wear, the food we eat, the kind of, of, of culture that we cultivate in our homes. Now, some of these things, hobbies, entertainment, aesthetic, are almost predetermined for us by our birth, right? The culture into which we're born. If you're born into specific cultures, you tend to do things more than others. And again, there's nothing wrong with that, right? The Bible is not very clear or specific about, you know, you were a Gentile, and we think about Jew and Gentile. The Gentiles probably had different hobbies. They had different food. They had different clothing. They, they had different stuff going on than the Jews. They just did by culture, right? We similarly, if you grew up in a family and you guys like to be hiking and going outside all the time, that's great. Not for me. It's just not for me. My family, we didn't do a lot of that, right? We just think about these are areas of life where God has not specifically outlined one way or the other. And it's interesting to me, as you think about what the Bible says about these kinds of things, that the Bible is very suspiciously silent about these kinds of things, even though we know. We know from archaeology, we know from history, everyone throughout history engaged in hobbies. They had free time. They consumed entertainment. They were making it, now they didn't have the same kind of entertainment, but you know, they had different kinds of music and, and different kinds of uh, performances. And instead of going to the movies, right, you go to a play, they had all sorts of stage performances. And you know, people would sit around and, and make music all the time. People did that. It's not like people weren't doing this kind of stuff. People develop their own culture and aesthetic. their different clothing styles and different food choices and, and different ways of interacting with one another. We just know from a study of history, everybody did this. Everybody did this. Yet the Bible is so silent about these areas of life in specifics. And I really want to stress the idea here about specific versus general, or we could say direct versus indirect commands. Because there are many, many verses, some of which we'll read today, not all of which, right? But some of which we'll read today. Many verses that apply in a general sense to how we spend our free time. The decisions we make about the things that we do. What we fill our time with has a direct impact on who we are right now and who we are becoming who we will be in the future. Matthew 6, 19 through 21, which was the reading. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And the real kicker is this last line here, right? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This idea is kind of reversed in the way we usually think about it. The treasure is what? It's what we care about. It's what we hold to be valuable. It's what we prioritize. The things that we care about in life. And again, maybe for you, that's you're really into cars. Or you're really into, I don't know, gardening. Whatever it is that you got, it's a treasure that you really cherish the time you can spend doing X, Y, or Z things. Well, guess what? The things that we care about, that's where our heart will be. That's where we're going to go. That's what we're going to think about. That's what we're going to prioritize. So the, the contrast between really genuinely valuing things of this life that will break down and, and go away versus really genuinely valuing things that are eternal, that won't break down, won't go away. We could put it this way in Luke chapter 6, verse 43. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a, ba a bad tree bear good fruit. This we could think about more uh, about the things that we consume the entertainment that we consume. For each tree is known by its fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, 
the mouth speaks. The things that we spend our time on shape who we are. They do. The things that we care about, the things we prioritize, the things that we devote energy to. And I would say that your lifestyle choices are perhaps the most indicative of your heart. Because guess what? You got to go to work. Nobody likes going. I shouldn't say nobody. Most people don't like going to work. That's why it's work. You have to be paid to do it. Otherwise, you just do it for free. You have to be paid because you don't want to do it. But you got to be paid, right? You got you to make money. The obligations that we have to family. Again, well, you know, if you're trying to be a good person, you understand you have some obligations there. You have obligations in worship and in church. When we come to free time, unobligated time, undecided time, that's when you're revealing the treasure in your heart. What you really care about. What you really prioritize. Because nobody's telling you what to do. God's not even telling you what to do. And so we have to be careful how we shape our lives around this. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It will shape who we are. The psalmist says it this way, Psalm 101, 2 through 4. I will ponder the way that is blameless. When will you come to me? He's talking to God here. I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. The psalmist is making a statement here what, about what he's going to consume in his life, what things he's going to think about in his life, because he knew a perverse heart shall be far from me out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. It says it this way in Philippians 4. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. First point as we think about biblical lifestyles. The free time that we have. That God has not specifically delineated one way or the other. This is what you need to do. This is what you shouldn't do. Doesn't mean that those things are value neutral. Just the fact that God hasn't mentioned them one way or the other does not mean that there's no consequence to what you decide. The things that we prioritize, the things that we choose to spend our time on will change who we are. And so we have to be very serious about how we think about those things, how we spend our free time. There's a fundamental tension as we think about the second idea I want to bring out here. A fundamental tension between freedom and obligation at the heart of lifestyle choices. Now, the word that Paul uses, we're going to read, I think, all of Romans 14. I can't remember exactly if I have all of it up here. The word that he uses here is opinions. Okay, you like gardening. That's an opinion, right? Because I'm what's called a black thumb. I, I have no skill, no talent whatsoever. I'm not good at it. I guess I enjoy the product of it, but it's just the act of it itself is not for me. That's an opinion, right? There's a lot of opinions that we have in life. My favorite sports team is the Denver Broncos. Well, that's an opinion. I know, Steve, you've got the wrong opinion about your favorite team. But what does he say here, Romans 14.1? So the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he made anything. Now we're getting into things like personal aesthetic and culture, right? The food. 
One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. Let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day, this is holidays, better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each should be fully convinced in his own mind. And again, we must make the distinction between an opinion and something that God has specifically delineated right and wrong. We have to make that distinction here, right? There are things in life, many areas of life, where God has specifically commanded, you should be doing this, you should not be doing this. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about things where God has not outlined one way or the other. And what's the point here? Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It's before his own master. His own master being what? Not you. You're not the master of that person. It's God. He is the master of that person. And when we think about these areas of life where God is not delineated one way or the other, we're thinking about being intentional, about being purposeful, about not letting our hearts be corrupted by the choices that we make in regards to entertainment or hobbies or whatever. But at the same time, we're thinking about being careful not to judge others because they do things that I don't like or I don't, I don't enjoy. Verse 6. The one who observes the day, observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord. Now, there's a, there's a statement here that is an implied command, and he'll get to it later. The implied command here, what? Okay, you, you celebrate this holiday, you don't. You eat this food, you don't. But you should be thinking about how that choice connects to God. You should be thinking about whatever way you've decided. You've decided to celebrate this holiday, you've decided not to. You should have in your decision about whether to celebrate that or not, related it to how does this affect my relationship with God? That's the implied thing here. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord since he gives thanks to God while the other one abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. None of us lives to himself. None of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Again, the implication, this is how it should be. You should be doing these things for the Lord. So then whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. To this end, Christ died and live again that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Second time he said that here. Who are you to pass judgment? Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Verse 11, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess to, uh, shall bow to me and every tongue confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on another any longer, but decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord that nothing is unclean in itself. But it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. If your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died, so do not let what you regard of as good be spoken of as evil. There's an interesting tension here. We're thinking about how it affects other people. Paul says, I know that nothing's unclean. He's talking specifically about food. We can make the broader point. He says in another place, all things are lawful, but not all things are what? Profitable or helpful or beneficial. But at the same time, thinking about my lifestyle choices, it's not just about me. It's about how it affects other people. It's about, in some ways, perception what people are thinking about, how I'm influencing them. 
But then at the end, he says here, what? Do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. These things of opinion, these things that God has not delineated one way or the other. If God has not said it's evil, guess what? You're not allowed to say it's evil. But at the same time, we need to be thinking this tension between freedom and obligation to one another. Verse 17. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Eating and drinking, we could use as a stand-in, a substitute. The kingdom of God is not a matter of lifestyle, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. Let us then pursue, and the word pursue here, you got to go to work, you got to make money. You have obligations to family. You got to deal with your family. You, got, you need to be part of worship and stuff. You have a lot of time where you're pursuing what you want. You're making the decision. What is it that we're to pursue? Pursue, decide to do, seek out opportunities to do things that make for peace and mutual upbuilding. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another person stumble by what he eats. It is good to eat meat and drink wine or do anything that causes... Uh, it is not good to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Again, woo. Go back here. We mustn't uh, conflate, and I'm going to say this one more time. Idea of lifestyle choices with those things that God has clearly outlined as sinful or righteous. I want to make that very clear. We're not talking about things, actions and behaviors that God has clearly said are sinful. We're talking about those things that God has not said one way or the other. But there are large portions of the human experience where God hasn't said you should do this or you should do a different thing. He lists food choices and holidays. He says a similar thing about holidays in Colossians 2. We could apply the same thing to all kinds of personal choices about hobbies and entertainment and how we spend our time. And so there's this dual-edged warning in these verses, right? The freedom that we have to choose the lifestyle that we want but at the same time, we are obligated to God and to others. On the one hand, one of our primary concerns is how our lifestyle affects other people and how it can be perceived. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 and 22, do not despise prophecies. Test everything. Test everything that you want to participate in. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now, uh, the King James Version, which my mother drilled into my head in this particular verse, abstain from every appearance of evil. The word form translated appearance in the King James, which I particularly like in this case. I think appearance is a, a good translation here. It has to do with the eye, the things that we see. It's not just about doing things that aren't wrong. It's also about the way we're perceived, the way others see us. Peter says it this way, 1 Peter 2.12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. When they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds. Lifestyle is not just about absolute right or wrong. It's about perception. It's about how people see us. And here's the deal, guys. There are some things, and I'm going to say this as clear as I can. There are some things that might not be explicitly unrighteous, yet you should reconsider because of perception. Because it's not just about whether a thing is righteous or not. It's about my ability 
to influence others. There are things that I would do that I don't do, not because I think they're sinful, but because I think that it would hamper my ability to influence others for Christ. That's a decision that we all have to decide in our hearts. Do you care more about getting to do whatever you want or about your ability to influence others? It's a simple question. It's not easy to figure out, but it is a simple question. There are things that we sacrifice. Paul talked about sacrificing, giving up, uh, sacrificing the eating of meat, not sacrificing the meat. That's confusing. Giving up. Paul talked about giving up meat, not because he thought meat was wrong, but because he didn't want to be a stumbling block to another Christian. There are things that we give up in life, not because they're sinful, but because it negatively affects others. On the other hand, we have to be careful how we judge those who are doing things we don't like or are uncomfortable with if we have no basis for condemnation. Double-edged sword here. If, you're, if somebody's doing something and you think to yourself, oh, I'm not really comfortable with that, I don't like that. If you don't have a scriptural, biblical basis to condemn that behavior, to th- say it's wrong, then who are you to pass judgment on another? The answer is you're nobody to pass judgment on another because you're not the master. Colossians 2 verse 20. Why, as if you're still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings? These have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity of the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. You could say it this way. Just because you don't like something, just because it makes you uncomfortable, does not make it simple. It just doesn't. There are things that we think about in our culture, in our society, that maybe you are not comfortable with. Your discomfort is not the final word. If somebody else is doing something that you don't like or don't think is is something you would want to do, that's not the final standard. God's word is the final standard. And so we have the tension Freedom to participate in lifestyle choices that we want. At the same time, bearing with those and not being a stumbling block, not doing things that would hamper our ability to influence others. And on this side, those of us who maybe are uncomfortable with certain things, not judging those without basis in Scripture, not becoming the judge ourselves. And so the most basic way, as we conclude, to think about lifestyles, the choices that we make in our free time, is to consider some verses we read last week. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. So whatever you do, uh, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or Greeks or the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. Colossians 3, 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Hobbies, entertainment, aesthetic, cultural choices, food, drink, the things you spend your free time on. Here's the question, the most basic question. Are you comfortable claiming that the things you spend your time on are done in the name of the Lord Jesus? Are you comfortable claiming that? Someone asks you why you do X, Y, or Z. Oh, I did it in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's something you could say. And if the answer is no, you're not comfortable saying you did it in the name of the Lord Jesus, then maybe it's time to reconsider some of our lifestyle choices. Because we need to be able to claim that we've done all 
in the name of Jesus. It's a difficult thing to parse because scripture is not specifically delineated a lot of these things. And so as we conclude this sermon, I want to encourage us to be more intentional and thoughtful about the ways we spend our time. Thinking about how is it affecting those around us? Thinking about how is it affecting me, right? Remember our first point? The way we spend our time is going to change who we are. How is what I'm doing, what I'm deciding to spend my time on, how is that affecting me in the future? Is it changing me for the better or for the worse? Is it helping me be an influence to others? Is it helping me reach those around me? Is it helping me encourage other Christians? Or is it a hindrance?